So last week, I began a five-week mini-series on suffering. And everyone said, oh goody. This is how we'll wrap up Acts, Lord willing. And I was absolutely certain that God was leading me to this mini-series and then trying to connect why and wondering at the tight fit it might be for the Lenten season. You can't get to Easter and the resurrection without the crucifixion and going through Good Friday. And so there is a time of preparation and, and perspective on suffering. And we, we see Paul's suffering and his imprisonment and his waiting and his being uh, trapped or a sense of oppression. And, and yet now I think, as I said, I titled this sermon weeks ago, Remaining Christ-like in Suffering, in Times of Trial, in Times of Oppression or Uncertainty. Or anxiety. I think this is the Holy Spirit's leading for such a moment as us. And to, to be sure, I wasn't even thinking about this virus, though it was in a global sphere. I wasn't even thinking about what this could mean for our community and the message that we need to hear in response to this. Uh, I'm encouraged by the irony of Acts 24, verse 5, when Tertullus, the lawyer that they hired with his dripping sweet tongue of flattery, comes and calls Paul a plague. It's the closest word they had in the ancient Greek to virus. And they're accusing Paul of being one, when in fact he is the one spreading hope, life, freedom, and healing in the name of Jesus. So I'm encouraged in many ways that God is leading us, even in the midst of quite a tumultuous week for many, with fear and uncertainty and anxiety around this COVID-19 virus, the unsettledness that we tend to be experiencing, at least as a community, as a nation, and even as a world. Are we overreacting? Are we underreacting? And there's significant voices on both sides. The reality is this is unprecedented for anyone living today. While we look to history, uh, times like this 100 years ago and hundreds, uh, we are encouraged that Life and healing goes on, but we are living through an unprecedented era, and we haven't been into anything like this since social media came on the scene. I, I was wondering, if this happened 30 years ago, would we even be taking note? No, local news and our newspapers would certainly be highlighting it, and certainly if it's in our backyard with what was happening at our, our care, the care facility down the street, uh, we would be taking notice of that. But would the response be what it is today? Uh, I wonder, as some are even responding uh, to self-gain and greed, as we see in Felix here, and some are responding with raising anxiety and hysteria uh, that otherwise would lie below the surface. So it's rare that I begin with a cultural example, but I feel like the exception is warranted considering the scale and what this is doing to all of us together. If, if anything, the globe is more unified today. We have a common enemy. No one's on the side of the virus. And so there, where there's been so much division across political lines or social lines or economic, all of the divisions, uh, right now we are unified in this. Uh, and I pray that it would be so. To be clear, we look to Scripture to interpret culture, not the other way around. So we will look to Scripture and the response of Paul in the face of suffering and trial and see that it applies greatly to today, that not much has changed. 
it was such a blessing to be at the Redmond Pastors Retreat this week. And I said, hey, look, we can tell our churches that we had a prayer summit on response of the church of Redmond this week at this time. So God also foresaw that we would be together and respond together to our community. Now, this isn't every local church expression in Redmond, but there were seven uh, represented, five present, and we drafted uh, a response, a call uh, to the church. And you probably got it if you were on our newsletter. If you weren't, if you're not on that, I'll just read the first portion of it because it is our call. Fear not, for I am with you, Isaiah 41.10. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. So that's a shaping verse for us in, in all times, in all times. And here's the statement we made together. As Christ followers, we must face the reality, the unknowns, and the fear of this coronavirus with faith in the living God who is with us and who promises to strengthen us. Our faith in the sovereign God should make our response distinct as it did with the saints of old. As an example, during the plagues in the first and second centuries that killed multitudes throughout the Roman Empire, Christ followers didn't desert the sick or flee from the cities like many others did. Many Christians stayed with the sick and cared for them. And many of the sick cared for by these believers recovered. They were impressed by their Christian neighbors who had loved them and risked their lives for them. Many came to follow Christ, seeing that faith in Jesus gave Christians courage in the face of death and sacrificial love for their neighbors. So today, followers of Jesus have an opportunity to show that kind of faith in Christ, the King, which makes us courageous in the face of death. We are people who not only look out for ourselves but, and our families, but who care for our neighbors as well. You can read that whole statement um, on our newsletter, or I think there's still a link to it on our website. It's, it's interesting in this time when the enemy would love to use this to divide, distract, and destroy momentum, movement. We're in 2020, the beginning of a new year and a new decade so there's obviously leaning into visionary type things. Even my call, my, my simple call of vision for us to eat together is being challenged. A CDC expert this week I read said, don't go to restaurants, don't share meals, eat at home. Will we follow that voice or will we follow another voice? And, and I don't know what wisdom and prudence is as we continue to navigate in uncertain time. But any kind of visionary call that's attached to a gathering together is being on hold to some degree, as I tried to articulate earlier with the James 4 response. We make plans to go forward with an uncertainty. But many others are, are wondering, when those, when those gatherings require incredible resources of time and finances, there's a lot of pausing and waiting happening. And the enemy would like nothing more than to isolate us divide us and keep us apart. And so may we respond uniquely in this time while some will need to isolate and quarantine as they watch and wait and pray. How do we respond in a way that continues moving forward as God calls us? We respond to the voice of the Spirit. Sometimes human wisdom will line up with that and we're thankful for that. But we first respond to His voice. That's what we're seeking. Remember that human wisdom would have told Jesus, don't touch that leper. 
Don't spend time with the sick. Care for yourself. Protect yourself. We don't first listen to the voice of human wisdom. We first listen to the Spirit and pray that it lines up with human wisdom. To be sure, I consulted many times my brother this week who is a doctor of internal medicine at Northwest University Hospital. And he will continue to say, I should have asked him if I would quote him, but I just won't say his name. That the, the risk to the general population at this time remains, from the medical perspective, very, very low. While he is also cautiously giving that kind of advice in an uncertain time. He asked for prayer last night. He is starting to show symptoms of flu and fever. His wife is due with their second child today. So this is very real for them, and it's very real for us and probably for you who have loved ones and friends on the front lines in medical communities. So we pray for health, endurance, and trust and faith for those that have it and for those who don't to turn to Jesus We also recognize that making this statement of responding uniquely and with boldness and with faith and with courage isn't a recommendation on when and how we gather like this. They are are linked together, but they are not exactly together. As we look to many inputs in our community for wisdom, to our local schools, to other gatherings, to our governmental officials who we want to honor and and be good witnesses to. We look to these other Redmond churches who are making their own plans and updates and going forward in meeting today, but that might change this week. So please stay tuned with us, pray for us as we first seek the voice of the Spirit, then look to one another who are also seeking the voice of the Spirit to try to find unity in community, and then also to our officials and government recommendations. So please pray. I was proud of the ladies team who gathered on Wednesday night, needing to make a decision about the ladies' retreat that was scheduled for this weekend, all of them wanting to go forward and to go forward in faith and to keep and to gather, but seeking the Lord's voice and ultimately responding with the uncertainty, knowing of their care, their primary call to care for all under, under their care, and with the uncertainty of whether that would be the best form of care Would it be a sense of renewal and refreshing in this current season? And while none of them felt like God was saying to them, cancel, none of them also felt like God was saying, you must proceed. And so they sought the voice of the Spirit and responded with a sense of care for all who might come and then would go and serve or connect with others in the community. I think they made the right decision. We stand with them as elders in that, knowing there's sadness and grieving because it's a loss of a year of planning and praying and seeking. They, they hope it's just a postponement. They don't know when that will be, but they're praying that a time would open up uh, for them to gather again, maybe on that same theme of glory. To be sure, we would have also stood with them if they gathered and said, no, we must go forward. The Spirit is leading us, and we're going to go in faith and gather together. And so these kinds of situations we're going to continue to face, I believe, and so we need your prayer support and your encouragement. Uh, and, and if you feel like the Lord is leading, then please share with us. What an opportunity to preach into this present season. 
to preach this message, this gospel that Paul was preaching of hope, peace, life, and joy. It's what Jesus lived, and it's our response as followers of Jesus to remain Christ-like in times of suffering and trials and hardship and sickness. What a powerful testimony, especially to a world that is full of fear, anxiety, turmoil, and unrest. Last week, we looked at so many scriptures reminding us that our God is a God fully aware of pain and suffering and hardship, that Jesus himself lived it. Isaiah 53, 3, the prophecy about him, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. What better man to follow, who's more than a man, but our God, than one who knows fully pain and suffering, oppression and grieving, trials and uncertainty. But Jesus kept his eyes fixed on his Father in all things, listening to the voice of the Spirit. And that's that too is our call, whatever we're called to face and endure. No matter what shape or form that trial or that hardship or that suffering may take in our lives. Paul was in Caesarea or Caesarea, as we learned last week to pronounce it. He's under house arrest, so to speak. He has a measure of freedom. He's not free to leave and he's probably chained to a soldier day and night. How awkward would that be? And yet he was allowed to receive visitors and friends who would come to him and care for his needs. I'm guessing knowing Paul that he took those soldiers as captive audience to the gospel and took advantage of every opportunity. But for two years, did you hear that? For two years, Paul was being yanked around. And this governor Felix, who's known in history as a greedy tyrant, it's not uncommon, a man using his power to manipulate and oppress and seek his own earthly gain, waiting for a bribe to be paid off. Directly what it says, hoping to gain money from Paul. Had Paul come forward with a bribe, and he certainly could have called upon the church to bring enough funds to buy his freedom. Paul remains in prison, unwilling to yield to that form of evil and oppression, while continuing to preach the gospel. Jeff and Renee Smith and family, they're remaining faithful, just as Paul was, keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus, committing themselves to their purposeful work as far as they can do it, relationally, hosting barbecues, loving and serving, preaching the gospel wherever they have opportunity, writing letters and messages of encouragement to the church. So well done, Jeff and Renee. We cheer you on and we can learn from you. Would you also cheer us on here as we are in a unique opportunity to do the very same mission? Paul was unwavering in his witness. He spoke to Felix and anyone who would listen plainly and boldly. Verse 25, Acts 24, 25. As he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away. How many times this happened? He seemed intrigued by Paul. We don't know. But Paul continued to preach, remaining faithful. Now, he must have been tempted as the weeks turned into months that turned into years to soften his preaching, to stop preaching in a way that would alarm and probably annoy Felix if he dismissed him at times. Paul had a, Paul had a tongue too. He could have worked it, I think, to his advantage to gain his freedom because 
Even Felix saw there was no reason to hold him prisoner. He's simply waiting for this bribe to come. What an incredible example of faith and endurance in preaching in a time of suffering, uncertainty, and a sense of being trapped. How many of us have given up preaching boldly because it simply seems to be falling on deaf ears? Maybe especially amongst close friends or family members or co-workers or neighbors. Lord, forgive us for judging the hardness of men and women's hearts. Now, we are to be wise in how we invest, but if we are seed sowers of the gospel, our seeds never run out. And God can crack the hardest soil in a moment. Even that soil that's covered by three feet of concrete, an earthquake is nothing to him. And if there's no seed there to fall into that crack and find that soil down below and take root, then nothing will grow. But sometimes amongst our family, our friends, we've withdrawn from the consistent preaching of the righteousness and holiness of God, of the responsibility of man, self-control, obedience, and ultimately, that, therefore, a revelation of our own sinfulness that we cannot do it. And the coming judgment that hell is real and an Apart from Christ, people will spend a godless eternity. I don't know which part of that alarmed Felix the most, but he didn't want to hear it. And we have many people in our context that want to hear none of that. That they will account to a holy, righteous God. That they are truly sinful to their core. Now we do need to explain what sin is. Simply choosing to live your own way and pursue your own gods, your own source of fulfillment. And to know that nothing you can do will earn God's favor. Nothing you can do will measure up to the holiness of God. And therefore, what hope do we have? But Christ and Christ alone, what he has done to cleanse us from all sin, to forgive us, for the sins past, present, and future, if we look to him and turn to him, to have hope in eternal life and life now in abundance. That's the good news. But if we're not desperate, if we don't hunger for it, if we don't preach the desperation of separation from God for eternity, because hell is real, there is a coming judgment, then Jesus probably will just at best sound like someone to add something or someone to add into their already full life, hoping maybe it'll bring a measure of blessing or centeredness when Jesus is all in all. This unsettled Felix, and he didn't respond. He doesn't come to faith in Jesus. Our faithfulness is not about the results but we, may we not shrink back simply because it is falling on deaf ears and hard hearts. And this season, right now, let us not miss it. I pray this virus thing just passes and is not, and through the prayers of God's people, and God can eradicate this, and that it would pass quickly. But let us not miss the opportunity of hearts being softened. Some will be hardened to be sure, but many others are being softened because what's happening is the idolatry that is deep-seated in our community and maybe even in our own lives is being threatened. There are idols, what we worship, what we ascribe highest 
worth to, of security, comforts, pleasure, freedom. I'll I'll do anything I want. I'll go anywhere I want. Are all being threatened and people are freaking out. That's the response that we need to be aware of. That's what this is revealing to us. Idols are being potentially broken. The opportunity of the gospel is in the midst of this, even if, even if everything gets worse, you can have peace, hope, confidence, and freedom. You can live different than everyone else. And that's what Jesus wants for you. That's good news. We need to take people to a place where they say, I just can't believe it. That sounds too good to be true. Okay, at least we're in that place. But if we're preaching a different gospel message that doesn't sound good, it is not the gospel. Felix dismissed Paul because it challenged all of his idols. Everything would have had to be broken. His greed, his position, his authority would have to be surrendered to Christ his king. And he would not yield. Many will not yield. Many will be re-hardened. But many others are absolutely broken and softened right now for the message of the gospel. Lord, send us. Prepare us. Ready us for this opportunity, the one that we find ourselves in now. 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season at all times to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with complete patience and teaching. 1 Peter 3.15 In your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy, and always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. Do we live with that hope? Hope isn't something we create or choose. It must come from another source. Will the Holy Spirit give us that hope? And are we living in such a way that in times like this, others will ask? They may not name hope. They may not be able to pinpoint it. But how is it with you? Are you really okay? We have opportunity. Are we ready to proclaim where that hope comes from? Being honest, not cavalier about our own uncertainty. Even if we wrestle with anxiety and fear. I I do. But I have a much deeper hope and confidence in who my Lord is and what He has promised and what He has done It is better to suffer, Peter says, for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. We may suffer for taking our position as his ambassadors. And I wonder if Peter had Paul in mind as he wrote these words, Paul's imprisonment, his his faithfulness, his attitude, his resolve, his conviction, his passion, as he called all believers, all followers of Jesus to the same How can we remain faithful and endure suffering, trials, anxiety, and feeling trapped by life's circumstances? Three things from Paul. No doubt his prayer life was vital. Is your prayer life the foundation? The hunger and thirst for the intimacy of the Lord? To walk close with the Holy Spirit? It's foundational to all things. It's why we've called us this year to prayer first, last, and central. Everything in between. Continue to 
invest into your prayer life. It is preparing you for these times. I could preach a message on that, you know, and I probably have. So, number two, Paul was also dependent on his friends. He needed them for his very life, for very survival. He didn't go through suffering. Though he was alone, he was not alone. He called and he asked. If you are in times of crisis, in this virus season, we're all in it together, but it will hit some more deeply than others. I'm proud of our mercy team for the way they've already responded. and Hopefully you've read that communication. For you who are in times of need, but likely for others who are having new needs come up. Paul asked for help. If you're in that place, ask. You cannot assume that everyone knows your suffering. Some of our suffering is hidden. It's internal. It's things we battle. You've got to be in community. Paul was, and he depended on his friends for this help as he communicated it and called them to continue to pray for him. Paul also continued his purpose, his mission to be faithful, to preach. It looked different being restricted and imprisoned, but he continued. He, he likely wrote many letters. That was his habit. They may not have all ended up in our Bible, but he continued to write to encourage his friends. He wrote to the church. It is widely believed that this is the time in, in Caesarea, these two years, that he with Luke wrote Luke and Acts which has now stood the test of time. Paul was purposeful. He kept going. He didn't just whittle away his time waiting and hoping. He said, I don't know how much time I have left to be freed or to be executed, to be just done with, to be released back to Jerusalem where the Jews wanted to kill him. So he lived with a sense of urgency at something purposeful and eternal. We can do the same. Maybe it looks like letter writing, Maybe it takes a different form. Lord, forgive us when we don't live with that same sense of urgency, not knowing the time we have left to do our very best to work toward the eternal benefit of all. It looks like prayer. It looks like encouragement. And that's how we continue our mission. We, the church, not only us here at Union Hill, We believe that God has been awakening us and stirring the broader church. And I think the enemy would like to stop that and end that. And we're praying against any kind of division, distraction, or isolation. We pray, Lord, awaken us. We've been praying that for well over a year now. Awaken us, Lord. Is it possible that we are sleeping in some ways and this too God is using to Awakeness. Not that God has sent this virus, though He can. He has sent plagues as judgment. But I, I, I don't claim that that is what is happening. I don't claim that the enemy is behind it. I just know the enemy is stirring, seeding doubt and fear and lies, because that's what he always does. And we have the opportunity to stand against, to stand firm to be awoken. Lord, awaken us. Awaken us. Our response must be unique. James 1, verse 2 and following, calls us to this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
Romans 5, Paul calls us to this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is our response, church, to live with joy and hope in the midst of suffering, trials, hardship, uncertainty, and imprisonment. This is what it means to remain Christ-like, and our world is in desperate need of seeing it. Let's look for opportunities this week to live counter to our culture. Here's a few. You want intensely practical? Eat at an Asian or Chinese restaurant this week and tip big. Come on. Look to those around you who are self-quarantining. Who's on your block? Who's in your, in your circles who are elderly, who may not have a church and a mercy team making calls and reaching out to them? See what you can do. Do they have everything they need? Can you do an errand? Can you run to the store for them? If you do find yourself in these coming days being in a circle with someone with COVID who's self-quarantining and resting at home, because their symptoms aren't as severe to be in the hospital, imagine the isolation they must feel. Reach out to them. Find out what they need. How can you serve them? Be counter to the culture. If schools more widely get closed and our kids have nowhere to go during the day and those that aren't easily able to work at home and stay at home and are actually losing income, consider who is in your, on your block. And for you that can stay at home and work, or even are being paid to just take some time off, can you serve families and kids by making a space? And more and more, what does it look like to live counter to a culture of fear, uncertainty, isolation, anxiety, xenophobia, and all the rest? We are called as followers of Christ. It's what He would have done. It's where He would be with the message and hope of peace, love, and healing in Him and Him alone. I invite the team to come and lead us in response. You've been waiting for it. You've been waiting patiently until that last note, for, since that last note until this next one. We are called to live uniquely because we have the divine God living in us through His Spirit. It, these cannot just be things that you choose. Do not walk out these doors feeling like I just got to work harder. I'm facing fear and my own anxiety and now I feel lesser and I feel guilty about it and I just got to work harder. No, that is not the gospel. That's not this message. You can't choose these things. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit in you. Seek Him and His filling. That's our only hope. Not our own strength and our own flesh. That's what's failing right now. Amen.
But Holy Spirit, strengthen, empower, encourage. Spirit, send us into the hard places with hope. Send us into the painful places with peace. Send us into the fearful places with faith. Jesus, you walked ahead of us and you showed us the way. Help us follow. Help us trust. Help us know your heart for your glory and our joy. Let's respond by singing and worshiping and proclaiming who he is in the midst of this passing storm. Amen? Amen.